0: Let's go to God in prayer. God, we do thank you for this time that you have given us to open your word, to digest what you have said. God, I pray that the preaching of your word will not fall on deaf ears today, but you will help us all to hear, to listen, to take in and to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that each of us will look upon our Christ the one who saves us and redeems us as your own. God, I pray that you will use this day to transform us, to make us more into the likeness of your son. God, I pray that you will reveal more of your glory to us and we will bask in all of your glory forever and ever. May this day open our eyes, peel back the curtain even more to see you God, I pray that you will bless us with your love. Help us to receive the good news and to love you as you've loved us. And God, may we share that love all around. God, we pray for our sister churches also as they receive your word today. Father, we pray for Covenant Community Church. We pray for Pastor Tom that he will preach the good news boldly And that that fellowship will receive and be strengthened today because of the truth of your word. That they will put all of their hope, all of their trust in the Son of God. Lord, we pray for Stafford Baptist Church. We thank you for their partnership over the years. We thank you for how you have led them to the point now where they are looking at a full-time pastor. We thank you for that. We pray for that upcoming vote. Lord, we pray that there will be unity in the body, that there will be wisdom among the elders, and you will lead that body to your decision and not their own. God, may they trust you. May they trust the leaders that you have, been, that you have put in place. And may they go forward together in unity of one mind. Lord, we thank you for North Stafford Baptist Church, Lord, I pray that you will be with them this morning and strengthen them in this season where we pray that you will continue to help them to, to grow, not just in number, but grow in a love and a fervor for our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for Foundation Church, another church plant that seeks to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to be planted in an area that needs to hear And, Father, you have put them there. I pray that they will not grow weary. Lord, as they give all that they can, may they not rest in their effort, but may they see you at work. And may that strengthen them onward. And may you be able to say well done to that fellowship. God, we thank you for King George County. We thank you for the work that you have done over the years. And Lord, we pray that you will use us and other churches, gospel-centered, Christ-exalting churches to teach and to disciple, to share, to declare who Jesus is. Lord, it's to your great name we pray. Amen. Every person wants their life to matter. Every person longs for it to be filled with exuberant gladness and purpose. That desire that each of us have, that pursuit of happiness comes from God, who in his sovereign goodness and glory created each of us in his Image Where we find, after every other pursuit, after searching everywhere else, we find that our lives only have real purpose and fulfillment in Him. That's how we're created. That's why nothing else satisfies us. Where God's supreme worth and our complete joy are rooted together in who God is too often we exchange the high calling of pursuing the almighty God we turn from looking upon the glory of his face for the mere scraps of this world we chase after cheap substitutes to fill that longing in our hearts if we only knew the magnitude and the glory of our great God and we kept our eyes on him. It's not a knowing as if we don't know that he exists. We do. Every person alive knows that God exists. What we need is the real knowing that recognizes deep down in our being, buried beneath all the other desires, is the desire to know who he is, to know him as he is. If we truly esteemed God, we would see the manifold perfections of our being as of his being, the manifold perfections of God's being, as being our highest treasure. And we would say with Eliphaz, one of Job's friends, in Job 22, the Almighty would be our gold and precious silver. For we would delight ourselves only in the Almighty and we would lift our face to God. How much, church, do we consider him? How much? How much time is wasted when we don't? Where does the time go? We get caught up in this world way too often. Many times it seems I get consumed with things that pale in comparison to Him. If I would only keep my eyes toward Him... If you and I would only look to Jesus, we would have all of our longings fulfilled. You and I would see and truly know where the coming of God in the flesh is the work of our salvation and the fulfillment of his plan to cleanse us, to give us abundant life and never ending joy in him. It takes faith to see that. It takes faith to believe what God is all about and to relate to him. And even in that faith, we stumble and we fall. We forget. Yet for those of us who have received grace, there's a longing for our Savior that keeps us looking for the day when he will return and he'll establish the new earth and the new heaven where he's the center of it all. Is that what you long for? Is that what you think about in all that you hope, and all that you wish for? Do you look for the worthy Christ? At the end of it all, waiting through all the things of your life, is a Christ standing there that you hope to gain? For most of us, our longings don't go far enough. They don't go high enough. They only go as deep as what we can reach for today. And often we're left with wanting more. In each of us, there's something that nothing of this world will fill. We look and we sacrifice, we work hard, yet there's emptiness. There's a longing deep in our heart for the joy and peace found only in the presence of God. And his presence, his very being, is given through the Lord Jesus Christ and remains with all who are united to him. This was God's plan. Since before the dawn of time, God put a plan together that would turn our attention, turn all our affection That would save our lives and display the great heights of glory in His wonderful, heart-filling grace. And it's given in the gift of His Son. His Son. The Lord Jesus Christ. The One who was promised long ago and came to set His people free so they can have this grace and peace. And experience the delight of His everlasting glory. To be In such joy that the pains of this world will one day be forgotten. Not everyone's given this. For some, the light of Christ will not shine on their soul. They will remain in darkness. Their best life will be lived now because they will be in utter darkness without Christ. Holiness will not be theirs. The redemption and cleansing given to God's people will not fall upon them. His righteousness will not be in them. There are those who sit in churches who hear God's word, but they don't listen to it. They don't have ears to hear. They do not understand the mysteries of grace. They have not tasted of the goodness of Christ them he's merely a means to feel good and safe as they search for other treasures and they end up seeing that these treasures just have worthless value they have not experienced the power of Christ that saves them from themselves and ultimately from God's judgment you see they don't have the love for Christ because they don't have the love of Christ Knowing Christ intimately. Not assuming He's there, out there somewhere, but experiencing Him personally in your soul every day as your Lord and your Savior. Needing Him like you need air to breathe. It's a wanting for Him. It's a clinging for Him. It's a loneliness when you don't see his presence or feel his presence. It's wanting more of God. And God's people wait for him to return. We have an an expectant longing. We're given a sure hope that he's coming. You and I need him. You need Jesus more than you realize in your mind and in your heart, embracing him by faith, a heart and mind given by grace that's set on Christ alone. It's a life that worries less about yourself. It doesn't seek to justify yourself. It's one that's died to self. It's a life that stays the course and waits on God. It's one of continual repenting and pleading and praying. One that communes with God and seeks His fellowship above every other relationship you could possibly have. It's one that serves Him and His people. It takes the image that you were created in and embodies Him. See, what's at stake here matters more than anything you could face in this life. One day, reality is your life will end. Your life will end. You don't know how, You don't know when. But one day, this life that you're living now will cease. One day, you'll be standing before God. And and if all you can point to when God demands an account is the best you could do in this life, you'll be left wanting, falling short. But instead, instead of looking to your own self, if you show that there's nothing In your hands. That you don't look to what you've done in this life. And Christ steps in, he intercedes, and he claims you as his own. He says, This is one of my sheep whom you gave me. They were waiting for me, they were looking toward me. Their soul was caught up in my love, and I've brought them here. This life that you and I live matters. Make no mistake. What you do and who you are matters. Only those who are in Christ Jesus have hope. And we can't just point to our best days to give an account. It's going to be every day. And only those in Christ have that hope. Those who look to Christ are assured of eternity. If this is you, if you long for Jesus, if your life is surrendered to Him, and you depend on Him to transform you and give Himself to you, then you can say with Simeon, Let me depart in peace. And you'll be like Anna, who speaks of Him to all who are waiting. For redemption. Here in our passage before us this morning are two examples a man, Simeon, and the woman, Anna. Both had steadfast faith in the hope that God would bring. They had been waiting for a long time for the coming Messiah. Both had an eager expectation that had been forged in the years of looking and waiting for Him, believing God to fulfill His promise to redeem His people. They show us that all who wait in faith, all who wait in faith, all who trust in the God of promise, who hunger for Him, even though they're despised for doing so, they await God's promise, they're given the reward of receiving Jesus. They see and experience God's salvation for his people and have Christ as their own for all eternity. We're told several things about Simeon's longing, his waiting in faith. It's all based on this one event that took place in Jerusalem. All we know about Simeon is right here in this passage. He's a man who goes to the temple in hopes of God fulfilling a promise. Simeon embodies all the hopes. Every hope that were progressively revealed about Israel's Messiah in the Old Testament The generations of looking for God to save them and to redeem them. There was a growing expectation for God's chosen one to come and liberate sinners from their bondage. Thousands of years where God was preparing his people. Bringing history to the point where the gospel would be astonishingly ushered in where it's clear that only God saves, where His light is commissioned to His people and spread to the nations. God raised kingdoms and empires. He designed cultures and the conditions necessary for His people to see that there's only one way for salvation. Only one person who could lead them to His grace and mercy and give them this unspeakable joy. On this day in Jerusalem, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to perform the purification rites that's required under the old covenant. Mother and child needed to be ceremonially cleaned after the birth. And the custom was for the male child to be purified and presented before a God at the temple, rather than a simple ceremony, we're introduced to this man, Simeon. God had promised him that he would not see death until he had seen the Messiah, the Lord's Christ. So Simeon waited. How could he do that? How could he endure without knowing, for sure? How could he wait for so long and keep faith that God would be faithful and true? There are four aspects to Simeon's longing I want to show you this morning. And all of them are by the Spirit. It is Spirit-enabled longing. It is Spirit-dependent waiting. It's Spirit-led and Spirit-emboldened. According to verse 25, Simeon was a man who was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. But don't look to Simeon. Don't look to his actions as the key to being faithful and waiting on God and receiving the reward of Jesus. Scripture doesn't leave it there, does it? That's not the end of the verse. He was righteous and devout because he was spirit-enabled. Simeon is given this great description, one that I think everyone in the church wants to have. We want to be known as righteous and devout. But it's not because of what he did. It's because of him looking to God for the consolation of Israel and because the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Spirit was, in other words, abiding in him. He was abiding in Simeon. This was a foreshadowing that would be for all of God's people. There are times in the Old Testament when a person was singled out and they were gifted with the Holy Spirit that enabled them to do what God wanted them to do. Simeon's He's devout because he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Not looking to what he achieves. He's waiting on God. He's looking for the Christ. The meaning of the coming of Christ. His religious acts are not what make him righteous and devout. It's a trusting in God that he will do what he says and then trusting God to give him the means to do it. Throughout history, the people of God have groaned under the weight of bondage. They've wept when they were in exile and oppressed by foreign powers and they, they look to God to relieve them, to take away their burden and console them. And Simeon is one of these people, one of God's people, because, not what he's doing, because the Spirit was upon him. Next, Simeon's longing was Spirit-dependent. In verse 26, it says, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon recognized it was the spirit who showed him the promise. He didn't do it on his own. Without the spirit, Simeon could not have known who this baby is. There wasn't anything special in Simeon. No special knowledge to figure it out. Simeon was helpless on his own, and he was completely reliant upon the Spirit's work in him. There's no mystical nuance going on here. It wasn't a feeling that Simeon had. Jesus wasn't wearing a tag that said, Son of God, or Christ Messiah, on his chest. Simeon was not there at his birth. He was not present when the angels had appeared. This knowing that Simeon had when Mary and Joseph carrying the Christ child, when they came up, this knowing that Simeon had was a gift to him from God. It was the promise. And it was in that promise that Simeon had put his faith. Leaning on the Spirit, trusting in him to keep him alive, keep him going until God fulfilled his promise. Notice what the Spirit's enabling in this depending on the Spirit leads Simeon to. It leads him to the Lord's Christ, who was coming to the temple That's why Simeon was Spirit-enabled, Spirit-dependent, and now Spirit-led. The very next verse says, And he, that's Simeon, and he came in the Spirit into the temple. Simeon was influenced by the Spirit to go to the temple. And he was humble and obedient in the Spirit. And he went to see the Christ. The Spirit leads God's people in only one direction. And that's toward Him. The Spirit will not lead you in any other direction other than getting closer to the God who is God. To the only living, true God of the universe. That's the only Person who the Spirit leads you to. You know how we check someone who says they're being led by the Spirit? Or maybe God's told them to do something or say something? You see if they're in line with God. You see if they're in line with His Word. If they're not obedient to God's Word, that they're not being led by the Spirit, they're not depending on the Spirit, And they're not enabled to do anything in the name of God. Simeon was spirit led. He was being guided to the place of God's holiness. Do you realize that? He was spirit enabled. He was spirit dependent and spirit led to the temple. The special place of God's dwelling. The special place where the holy of holies was. There God brought him to the parents of Jesus holding the baby. This child, who according to custom, they were following the custom, he was only eight days old. The only one who was pure. The only one who is clean. Allowing himself to be considered impure and unclean, being presented to God. And upon seeing the Christ child, Simeon becomes spirit emboldened. So he was spirit enabled. He was spirit dependent. He was spirit led. And now we see he's spirit emboldened. He exclaims the fulfillment of God's promise. God had been faithful and allowed him to see the Christ. And he goes into what's known as the Song of Simeon. It's praise to God. A doxology that echoes all the hopes and trusting of God's people for salvation to come. For his light to shine everywhere and his glory to be embraced by his people. Simeon is now ready to die. Knowing that his longing has been worth it. There was a sureness to his hope. When he's given Jesus, uh, Jesus, Simeon doesn't say, I'm glad I did this. I'm glad I waited. He doesn't say, "I'm, I'm glad I stuck around and I hung in there. He knows what has happened. He praises God, not his own actions. It's God's faithfulness that he proclaims. It's God's glory. Upon looking at Christ and embracing him, Simeon sees everything there is for salvation. He can now have the peace for his own soul. And at the same time, he proclaims this child is the salvation of God's people. Simeon's longing is a testament to all who wait on the Lord, to everyone who look to him for salvation. God is faithful and he's true. By his spirit, he fulfills what we're all looking for. Jesus is the Messiah, the light of the world, the Savior of God's people. Simeon's not the only one who's given the gift of experiencing Christ. After a long waiting and hoping for God to fulfill his word, the woman, Anna, a prophetess, daughter of Fenuel, who was advanced in years, being married only seven years, and then becoming a widow for most of her life. She's now 84 years old. 84 years old, coming to the temple worshiping God with prayer and fasting night and day. It is not a coincidence. It's not by accident that at the very moment when Simeon and the Lord and his parents are together, Anna is given the same gift of experiencing the joy of Christ. God ordained that both a man and a woman testify to the Messiah's coming both were witnesses to the wait now being over like Simeon what we know about Anna is also only in this passage but we don't need to know more she's a woman devoted to God she has put her whole self into the promises of God She believes and lives out her life in the presence of God, giving him praise, asking him to work his will, dependent on him, giving himself to her. She never leaves the temple. She saw it as the place where God specially dwells, and so there was nowhere else that's worth going to. Nothing else is worth her time. Fasting and praying day and night meant she constantly denied herself and always was seeking to commune with God. And she's not afraid to talk to other people. To everyone who's there, she exclaims, He's here! He's here! The one we're waiting for, the one we all long for, the one who's come to redeem us is here. She's been waiting for that same one that Simeon's waiting for. The consolation of Israel, the Lord's Christ. The one who brings comfort to his people and she wants others to have his comfort. Hers was a faith that longed for more of God. And God was kind to her and allowed her to see the Christ child. And know Christ, seeing his life, was given so that we may be redeemed. We are told about this with Simeon and Anna, to know Christ the way Simeon and Anna know Christ. All of us who repent and trust in Him, we wait, and now we have this same expectant longing in our hearts like them. We long for the Christ to come with His second coming. We depend on the Spirit, and He leads us to Christ. Simeon was dependent on the sovereign work of the Spirit in his life, opening his eyes to see the Messiah, to be satisfied with Christ, to love and embrace Christ. Anna's faith was in the midst of a generation who could not and would not recognize him. Others were focused on worldly matters, but not Anna. God graciously gave her faith and hope in the true reality of His Son. Are you dependent on the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to the Messiah? To love and embrace Jesus as your hope and salvation? Simeon and Anna put their trust in God and they received what they hoped for. The same can be true for you Peter reminds us though you have not seen him you love him though you do not now see him you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory Do you thirst for God like Anna did knowing that he will provide for every longing you have as the deer pants for the water My soul thirsts for you, O God. Do you thirst for the living God? Is your heart waiting for Him to fill you and redeem you? He's returning soon. The consolation of Israel, the Christ, is coming again for His people. Those who are eagerly waiting for Him. All who seek comfort in Him. Not worldly things, but in Him. Are you waiting for Him? May you and I be like Simeon and Anna, having the same faith, to face whatever may come, no matter how long it may take, that the coming of our Redeemer, the light of the world is assured. He's bringing victory over our sin and the peace and joy we so much crave. May we earnestly long for Him And receive the blessing. May we receive the reward of His presence. Let's pray.